The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. A long time ago, uh, my father began going on a vacation to North Carolina. Uh, this, we lived in Michigan, and so going to the coast, going to North Carolina, we hadn't even seen Florida, Florida beaches yet. We'd go there and we'd swim in the ocean. The biggest thing we would look for was for a big wave day. And we really quickly learned that we go into the waves, sometimes the waves when they're crashing, they will kind of make you drift down the beach. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? There's a little bit of current there. Well, where we always went, there was a current that always kind of pulled us up the beach. And we always knew after a while you'd have to get out and you'd have to walk out, get back to the place where you're in front of your house where you're there at the beach. Well, after growing up, now this is, I started doing that back when I was in elementary school. Well, now I'm married, my siblings are married, all of their kids, we all still go to the beach for this vacation. And we're always looking for good waves. And my brother came to me one time and said, hey, man, I found a great spot for waves. It's right next to the pier. And so we went there. We went with all of our kids. We went to the pier. And there at the pier, these waves were a solid five to seven feet. They were great waves. Now, all of our kids were different ages. My kids were just probably about nine, ten years of age and younger. But my, I'm the youngest in my family. My older siblings, their children were older. They were out there in the surf. And so my kids are kind of jumping around in just the frothy water. But the other ones are there. And it was all of a sudden that we realized we hadn't trained our kids. Because the current was very slight. But it wasn't going up the beach in this place. It was going down the beach. And we were right next to the pier. And so we're watching the kids come in and ride these awesome waves and come in and actually we're, we're there bodyboarding and having a blast going through all this stuff. And then all of a sudden I look and my niece is feet, three or four feet from the pier, this barnacle covered pier where the waves are, these five to seven foot waves are crashing into this pier. And I watch my niece disappear into a wave that takes her into the pier. I ran toward her. Other people started running. We thought the worst was going to happen. A couple seconds later, praise the Lord, she popped up about 20 feet beyond the pier. Didn't even realize she went through the pier. She was having such a good time surfing. She came through. God protected her, but she came through and looked at it and thought, hmm. And we immediately grabbed all the kids, said, come out. And we said, listen, there is a current in this ocean. It is pulling you to the pier. The pier will kill you. Stay away from the pier. See this house? And we pointed to a house. Every time you're in the water, you need to turn around and look at that house. If you're, pa- if, you, if you're past that house, get out of the water and walk back up. And there is a slow drift in our culture that has been attacking the very essence of who you are. This, this drift has been happening for years. This drift was around when I was in college. This drift was around when my father was in college. And it's the drift of what the idea of what it means to be a man. You, you are a fella. You are a guy. You are a man. But the meaning of that, our culture has been slowly, now the drift has been slow, but let me tell you what's happened in the last couple of years. We are now in the pier, fellas. We are now right amidst massive destruction. You guys understand Bruce Jenner as this fellow who has turned his back on his gender and has become a woman, but this fellow was a man's icon when I was a kid. 
He was an Olympic champion, a manly man that everybody looked up and said, man, if I could be a decathlete, if I could do everything well, wow, that is awesome. And our culture has eroded away what it means to be a man that now we applaud him for giving up what he thinks being a man is and trying to be a woman. Now, I'm not here to fuss against him. But I'm here to say, Christians, we have been following behind. We have been looking at cultural norms of what manhood is. And and here's what's happened. As these cultural norms come along and we look at what manhood is, we start to define it by certain things that we're comfortable with. You know what? We're comfortable with hunting. I remember when my kids were little and they watched Beauty and the Beast and that song by Gaston. You guys, do you know what I'm talking about? We're talking about being a man. Can I admit to watching a Disney movie? I've watched all of them. I've got five daughters, okay? But Gaston goes around and sings about how he decorates with antlers and every last inch of him is covered with hair and he spits everywhere. I'm a man, and I'm laughing at it and looking at it, but that's a lot of what I see has happened in our Christian culture, is we've said, hey, we need to, treat our, we need to train our, our boys how to be men. Let's take them hiking. Let's go out in the woods and kill something and skin it. Then cook it over a fire, because that's what men do. And now we have in our Christian cultures, we have these fellows that say, well, I, I don't like walking out into the woods and killing animals. I don't like ripping a heart out of an animal and taking a bite out of it and going, Rawr. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And then our Christian culture looks at them and says, yes, maybe there is. Go out and play football. Join a boxing league. Go out and break something. Be a man. And we've drifted and we've drifted. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 12, be not conformed to this world. It's not just talking about sin. It's talking about the thinking. James says pure religion is a number of things. But the last thing that he says is, is to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Proverbs says, ponder the path of your feet. Look at the direction. And I want to ask you, and I want to challenge you this morning with what it means to to be a man. Because let me tell you what Pensacola Christian College needs. It's the same thing that Grace Baptist Church needs. It's the same thing that this world needs is fellas that know what it means to be a man. And they don't let let them drift or make them drift into other stuff. Where they look at it and go, hey, you know what? And, and I'm not going to talk about hunting. I'm not going to talk about football. I'm not going to talk about spit. I'm not going to talk about how to blow your nose without using a Kleenex. I'm not going to talk about all these cultural things. Well, this is, this is how to be a man. You've got to be able to burn and scratch. And No. That's not the point. Because it's man is not what you do. What you do is determined because you are a man. And you can enjoy playing the piano and be a man. You can enjoy different things that our culture says, well, I don't know if that's really manly. I remember when I was, when I was dating Miss Goforth and, and was talking with her, and we were just starting to get to know each other and some different things, and I went to her house, and I put on a pair of shorts. My mother sewed, crocheted, macrame, did everything. When I was sick, she had to stay home from work. She would do that stuff. I loved to learn, and so I would learn how to do that stuff. I learned how to needlepoint. It's like, Mom, what are you doing? Well, you can do this, and this is how you make it. And I'm like, okay. She, she's making clothes. How do you do that? This is how you make clothes. And I remember being with Day, and she's saying, those are weird shorts. Where did you get those? Oh, I made them. If you make shorts, don't wear them on the first date with a girl that you're interested in. It's not a big draw. She didn't go, good, you can sew. She went, you sew? And I said, so what? That's good. 
But the reality is, it's okay to be a fella and not like cooking. And it's okay to be a fella and love to cook. It's okay to be a fella and, and not like football. It's okay to be a fella and like football. It's not determined by what we do. It's who we are. So I want to look at what this is. Now, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll jump in. Lord, bless this time. Help it to be profitable. Lord, help us not to lose the opportunity that we have to display you to the nations. Lord, we need you. Fill me. Use me. Lord, help these men to understand where Satan has sneaked in and whispered lies in their ear and they're following a path of destruction. Lord, help us to be men. In the precious name of Christ, amen. First of all, I want to just kind of lay it out here. There is a difference between men and women. The Bible says very, very specifically in Corinthians 16, 13, Paul is talking to both men and women, and when he's telling them how to behave in the faith, he says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men. He says, literally, be a man, act like a man in the faith. And so for him to be able to say to them to act like a man, Paul was not Corinthian. Paul did not grow up in Corinth. This could not have been a cultural norm. It could not have been Paul saying, okay, they need to play football. They need to wrestle. They need to spit. He said, listen, act like a man. He comes from a different culture telling another culture, listen, you need to be manly in your faith. I'm not going to spend a long time on this, fellas, but fellas, understand God made men and women different. They are different. That is the way he made them. And the Bible says that in our faith, we need to act like a man. So what does it mean to act like a man? Well, Let me say, number one, being a man means you're not a woman. Being a man means you're manly, you're not female, you're not feminine. But one of the things I think we struggle with the most, fellas, is being a man also means something else. It means you're not a kid. My brother is nine years older than me. The most often quote from Mike Goforth was, quit being a baby. My brother could beat the living daylights out of me at any time he wanted to. And then if I went to mom and dad, he would say, go ahead, tell mom and dad, I know where you live. There was one time I came back from getting spanked by my father, and I was going around doing that whimpery, and all of a sudden my brother said, hey, quit being a baby. And I looked at my nine-year-old brother in anger and said, shut up, you don't know what I just went through. And my brother said, you don't even know what it's like to get whooped. And he grabbed a Hot Wheels track. Do you know what a Hot Wheels track is? He grabbed a Hot Wheels track and said, Mom and Dad used to beat me with this. And then he grabbed me by one arm. I tried to run. He just spun in circles and whipped me with his Hot Wheels track. Now, here's the majestic thing about how God made us. My brother, because he loves me, his brain has purrs all the times he tried to kill me as a child. And I talk to him now, and he's like, that never happened. Okay. And I remember when I finally got as big as him and could take him, And I came to the family, I was 16, he was 25. My brother's exact opposite of me. He's been skinny all of his life. He looks like he's made of muscles. I know I have muscles because I can move, but I've never seen him. (laughs) And when I got to be 16, I was like, Mike, that's it. We're going now. We're going to wrestle. I'm going to pin you and I'm going to prove to you that you can't whoop me anymore. And of course, my brother threw off the plate, jumped up, said, let's go. And I grabbed him, threw him on the ground. His two daughters, three and, or four and two years old, Then all the women in the family go, stop it. They start hitting us like cats. Quit, 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 quit. You're upsetting the babies. And I'm like, no, I'm about to kill my brother. I've been waiting for this. 
And then I had to quit. So I never got to prove that I'm a better man than him. And I'm still bitter. But it's different from being a child. I want you to listen to this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spake as a child. How does a child speak? child has no gate. They just say something. They just, whoop, just say it. If it's funny, I'll say it. If, if I think it, I'll say it. They don't think about what their words, the impact their words will have. I was driving a bus as a youth pastor. My oldest daughter, three years old, she started talking before she was one. She could talk in full sentences by the time she was three. I'm driving a bus coming back from a soccer game. We're driving back in rural South Carolina. We passed a pig farm. Have you ever passed a pig farm? It's pretty stinky. We drive past the pig farm, all the soccer players, all the cheerleaders, JV, varsity, both soccer teams, both cheerleading squads are all going, ooh. My daughter stands up on the front seat and goes, daddy's got gas. And I'm thinking, that, that didn't need to be said. And so everybody on the bus is like, okay, we thought it was a pig farm. Holly thought it was her father. And you know what? She was three years old. She speaks as a child. Fellas, childish speaking is not something that should remain in your life. But not only that, spake as a child, look at the, the, the next one. We're not looking, I didn't have you turn it, but let me tell you, it says, I understood as a child. I want to be careful to not just stand up here and curse the darkness because the reason why men these days struggle with being men is because the men who have gone before him have not exemplified and not have taught correctly. But I am weary of men who still understand as a child. I've got a one-and-a-half-year-old grandson. And he is just now at the point where I get on FaceTime and my daughter says, Okay, Judah, where's your nose? And Judah goes, No. And my heart goes, That is awesome. Because he's one-and-a-half years old. Judah doesn't realize it yet, but there's more to learn about this. Okay. He got his hand somewhere close to his nose. He said nose. He grinned. And everybody went, yay. You know what I'm tired of, fellas? I'm tired of fellas in my church saying, hey, what is salvation? And they go, it's salvation. Man, you're a 40-year-old man. You ought to be a lot better in your understanding than that. You ought to know what being a church member is. You ought to know what being a spiritual leader means. But so many guys think, well, I know how to get to heaven. I know the 66 books of the Bible. So look at me. Somebody give me a gold star. And that's fine if you're a kid, but that's not fine for a man. Spake as a child, understood as a child. The next one I thought as a child. Well, I remember my daughters, <laughs> they would get something. Their, their, their sisters, their younger sisters, would be their birthday, and they'd have get all the money in from the parents. And I remember hearing my older, my older daughters saying to their younger sister, look at that ugly, green, crumply thing. Why would you want that? Look at this nickel. See how it's shiny? I'll tell you what. You probably don't want that ugly green wrinkly thing because it's nasty, but I'll trade for you. And you know what? The amazing thing is a two or three or four-year-old will go, this is terrible. Thanks for explaining to me that it's terrible. Yes, you want it? <laughs> and what are they doing? They're saying, Let's take this five cent. I'll take that $20 bill. And dad comes in and goes, and they go, I'm sorry, dad. And they hand it back. And you know what? So many of us get led down ignorant paths because we think like a child. Will it be fun? Let's do it. Will it make me feel better? Let's do it. Will it cause me sacrifice? No way. 
And we just think. We just think in this childish manner. So understand, fellas, being a fella means you're not a woman and you're not a child. Now, I hope you understand. I'm not saying that being a man means you live your life in a miserable way. No. Because see, what the Bible tells us, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are, is what? Ways of death. You can chase this childish living, speak what you want, have a very rudimentary understanding of God's word, and not be able to discern between good and evil and just go through life and think life is wonderful. But that is a difficult life, fellas. That is a life that ends up tragically. So really quickly, in the last few minutes that we have, what do we do to be, to understand what it means to be a man? There's a lot of things we can look at. We can look at some things that the Bible delineates that a, man's gonna, that a man should do, that he should work hard, that he should provide for his family. We're going to look at one thing in particular. It's one thing that's going to look like a number of things. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn here. I want you to look, at, if you would, at Ephesians. And then we're going to look back at Philippians. We're going to start in Ephesians and we're going to come to Philippians. There's one thing that you can say that is true about a man. And the thing that I like, especially about teaching to college students, so I know that some of the college students in here, I know some of you are married, and so this immediately applies to you. But for the majority of us in here, you are in the same situation as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, okay? The Bible tells us some specific areas that we as men are supposed to lead in. What are those areas? We lead in the home, right? And we lead in the church, now, some of you are saying, well, Pastor Goforth, I don't have a wife. I'm not the deacon of a church, so I don't have any responsibilities. But understand something. What Paul was saying in Corinthians, he says, listen, when I became a man, I put away childish things. And I want to ask you a question. Do you think that Jesus Christ was a man? Did he have a wife? Did he have a church? No. He didn't have a wife. He didn't have a church. But Jesus Christ was absolutely a man. And the people that he was leading, some of them had families. We, we know that some of them had mother-in-laws, and there's only one way to get a mother-in-law. So it's obvious that some of them were married, some of them were in the point of being ahead of the home. Jesus was not, but Jesus absolutely led. And if you're there in Ephesians, I want you to look at this particular verse, okay? Ephesians 5, look at verse 25. Paul says, husbands, love your wives even as, or just like, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, fellas, what I'm about to tell you is not something that's fun. It's not something that's exciting. But it is something that God has made you to do. And the more that you do what God has made you to do, the more you enjoy union with Christ, the more you enjoy what it is that God has given you. But I want to be very, very clear about this. I am not going to try to paint a picture of this is a wonderful thing as a man. This, listen, it's more fun to play video games. It's more fun uh, to go to the gym and work out. It's more fun uh, to get involved and do all the stuff that you want to do. Those are all the things that are exciting. But this is what God has made you to do. Look at it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ did and gave himself for it. God has described manhood as sacrifice. Sacrifice. It's not about you. It's not about what I want. Every being, every atom in your body says, what do I want to do? You see, now we have men that are, that are going away from cultural norms in Christianity, but before that, men were not being manly. And women would talk about, well, I'm a hunting widow, because now that it's hunting season, I don't ever see my husband, because my husband is more passionate about pursuing a deer than he is about pursuing me. He's more passionate about cheering for his football team than me. And hunting and football, those are manly things, but they weren't men because they weren't sacrificing. And they weren't loving because they weren't sacrificing. 
And our wives have turned their affection away from their husbands and they've poured them into their wife because your wife needs to be loved. And they go after these wives, these wives go after their children and then all of a sudden the mother-in-law jokes come. Why are the mother-in-law jokes coming? Well, because they've, they've had all of their investment in their children. Their husband is off killing an animal or, or wrestling with somebody or now playing video games. I'm getting too excited, forgive me. But our women are empty because we're not sacrificing. And you know what the truth is, men? Even our culture talks about men without chest and men that exist in a life that is just absolutely morose. They go to work and they don't enjoy and it says, listen, you've got to find yourself. No, you don't have to find yourself. You have to do what Philippians says. You have to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. Now, I know that Philippians was written to men and women. But he specifically says in Ephesians, guys, here's what's going to happen. Now, I don't know if you thought about this. But Paul, when he told Timothy and Titus how to choose leaders for the church, they were all character issues. He did not say, make sure they can bench press 295, minimum. He did not say, make sure they have at least harvested seven different types of animals. He said they need to be exemplary in character. And do you know what the exemplary in character includes? You don't pick men to lead your church except from the men who have already figured out how to lead their home. How do men learn how to lead their home? Fellas, if I'm mad and you're getting defensive, forgive me. I don't want to stand here and curse the darkness. But how do men learn how to lead their home? They first have to learn how to lead themselves. I know Pensacola Christian College has a bunch of crazy rules. And understand the reason why those crazy rules are out there. If there's a rule that says you can't wear purple socks on Thursday, it's because some moron did something with purple socks on Thursday and they just said, I'm done with this. So don't look at the rule and go, what's wrong with them? Just realize that somebody was much more creative than you than being an idiot and that's why the new weird rule is there. But do you know what the truth is? You are here to train for life. You should not have to have somebody tell you to clean your room. Clean your room. Lead yourself. Right? Aren't you glad Pensacola doesn't have to have a rule? Make sure you wipe. But we get upset when they tell us to go to school. Well, we have to go to class. Well, I have to wear certain clothes. Yeah, if you want to work somewhere, you're probably going to have to wear clothes. And understand... It's not because Pensacola is trying to be a bonehead. It's because we have so many people coming in that we say, I never thought we'd have to tell them they have to do that. Oh, well, learn to lead yourself. Learn to discipline yourself. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a, what does it say? Servant. Servant. What is a servant? Do you think Jesus Christ wasn't a servant because he didn't have a wife and he didn't have a church? Jesus Christ was a servant. Do you know what Jesus Christ's life was marked by? He gave and he gave and he gave and he sacrificed and he put up with junk and he sacrificed and he gave until there was no more to give. And God says, go. Do you realize that our job as men 
the primary job of men is to portray Christ to this world. Your wife, your children are to learn who Christ is because of the reflection they see in their daddy. And don't think that it's magically going to happen after your senior year when you get married, when you've been acting like a buffoon all of your life. And then all of a sudden, well, now that I'm married, now I'll be responsible. That's not how it works. Fellas, I am begging you. Let this mind be in you. Understand what it means to sacrifice. Now, don't, don't go around. Don't, if you've got a girlfriend, don't go to her and say, you know what? Pastor's talking about the importance right now of, of living the way that God has told us to, and he's, he's told me to be a leader. Uh, I believe the same uh, passage also tells you to submit. So you and now I will be making all the decisions for you because you got, she doesn't have to submit to you. That's not her responsibility to submit to you. Now, I will tell you this. If you're dating a girl that doesn't submit to anybody, Run. If you're sitting there, she comes in and goes, oh, I hate my dad. Oh, I, I hate Dr. So-and-so. Oh, I hate my floor. I hate that. But you're so, you're so good to me. No, you're the tool that she's using to fight every other authority. And when you become the authority, who's she going to fight? Well, it won't be me, Pastor Goforth, because uh, have you seen my abs? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the way my r- muscles ripple? Let me, let, me, let me encourage you, fellas. You are not so fine that you're going to make your wife submit to you. But do you know what can happen? You can show her Christ. And right now, you need to take on this responsibility. God has placed me at Pensacola Christian College to lead myself to begin to learn the discipline of being a man, which means sacrifice. Fellas, that's why we run into burning buildings. Not just because, well, men should go into buildings. That's why when a robber goes to, 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 to rob our family, we step in front of them. Not because, listen, you may have a wife that is a ninth grade black belt and she could go out there, say haya, and break the person. You still, you still are the one that's called to sacrifice. You are the one that is called to say, it's not about me. And if there's anything that the cultural drift has done to our fellows, it's turned them into massive monsters of me. Let me play video games. Let me hunt animals. Let me do sports. Do you know, and I haven't asked Brother Atkins about this, but Brother Atkins is not one of the main qualifications to be a spiritual leader in churches these days, attendance. Just be there. If you're there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, people are like, well, he's a leader. Just because he's there, that's not a leader. A leader says, listen, I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to worship God. I am going to submit to God. I am going to follow him. And then you turn around and you look at your roommates and say, follow me as I follow Christ. And then when God moves you out of college and he moves you into a, into a, a, a business, and maybe you're not married yet, but he moves you into a culture of, of work, then you follow Christ and you turn around and you look at everybody else and you say, hey, listen, I'm following the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Do what I do. Follow me. And it's not about what you can get. It's about what you give. I traveled for Pensacola Christian College as a representative and got, uh, had the opportunity to travel around and do different things. I'd never played golf in my life. I grew up kind of in a suburb of an inner city in Pontiac, Michigan. Never got involved in it, didn't, didn't really have much interest in it. Then my first ensemble, uh, the one fella got kicked out of school. He mouthed off to Dr. Horton the day before we left on the trip. He got kicked out of school. They came to me and said, David, you've got to learn the bass part. You're traveling. So I'm traveling with this fella. I said, hey, you want to go play some basketball? I don't play basketball. So, hey, you want to go? He didn't, well, what do you do? I play golf. I was like, golf? All right, let's play golf. 
So we went out and started playing golf, and I got bit by the golf bug, and I started playing golf. And then I went to my wife, and I said, hey, sweetheart, this golf game is fun. She goes, oh, yeah, I golf. We should golf. So we started golfing together. And one day I'm talking to Mom. I'm saying, well, Mom, I got it going. My, my wife and I were going golfing. And she said, oh, honey, you golf? You should talk to your daddy. He golfs. And I went, no, he doesn't. My dad doesn't golf. I've never seen my dad talk about golf or even golf or had anything. To know. I didn't know he had anything, any knowledge about golf. And so the next vacation I was with him, I said, Dad, you golf? Yeah, I golf. So we went to a golf course. He rented some left-handed clubs. My 60-something-year-old dad said, okay, this is how you hit this club. Whack. He called his shot, put it out on the flag. said, now, if you want to curve it over to this, then you hold it like this, you do this, whack, turn it over, then like that. And I sat there with my jaw dropped going, what? I couldn't get the ball to go anywhere that I wanted it to go. And my dad comes out and goes, well, what about this? Okay, you try this, you try this, you try this. And I was blown away. I went home to mom and I said, mom, when did dad play golf? So well, your dad was a big golfer. In fact, he went golfing with my dad the first time, shot one over par, and my dad came home so mad he said he's never going to go golfing with Ray again. <laughs> my dad was so good at golf, the first time he golfed, he shot one over par. The first time. You guys can't even do that in the crown, over in the, in the, the putt-putt thing. <laughs> my dad had a skill that this world would look at and say, dude, you're awesome. So I went to my dad. I said, Dad, you golfed? And then he told me about the thing that I used to move firewood from the back of, the, of, of our property. It wasn't a property. It was a little square piece of land inside. It was a small little, little yard. But I would move this wood with this weird little contraption that had wheels on it. He said, that's a, golf, that's a walking golf cart. I said, Dad, how come you never talk to me about golf? Why didn't you ever? He said, well, son, let me tell you what happened. I got really good at golf. I was playing every day. I was thinking about doing this or this or this. But then uh, uh, your mom and I started having kids. So I had to put the golf away, start working on a bowling alley. And I said, Dad, and you never picked it back up? He said, I never had the time. Because my dad said, you know what? If anybody has to give something up, I do. And he gave it up. And that's what God has called you to do. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Lead yourself, learn to sacrifice, be a man. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.